Science. Beer. Review. Episode. Energy Curses. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome to Science Beat Review. Woo! Woo! We that produce this podcast are a bunch of people that make science happen. PhD students, researchers, postdocs, you name it. Why do we produce a podcast? Well, we really like science, science communications, and improvisational theater. So our restless minds came up with the ultimate combination to get inspiration by the scientific literature and communicate it to you through improvised comedy sketches. Each person brings the summary of a scientific paper she or he likes. The rest of us will hear the summary for the first time simultaneously to the recording. After that, we will most probably have questions on the science. Well, note that not all of us are from the same scientific field. Ultimately, we get inspired and send up an improvised sketch. Our goal is to make you have fun while we think and to make you think about how we, the science might have inspired us while we have fun. Also, to communicate interesting scientific articles to you. Everything you will hear happens on the spot, non-stop, without a script, and would never happen again on the face of Earth. Well, unless you press replay. For your convenience, we have chapter markers in each episode, reference to the literature, and from now on, a comment section under each episode in our website. And that's how Science Beat Review comes to life. Cheers! 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 The improvisers for today are... Jacqueline, biological oceanographer. Kamel, evolutionary biologist. Paris, evolutionary biologist. And me, Mihalis, and I'm a toxicologist. Let the games begin! Yoo-hoo! Paris have brought a cool paper. Indeed I have. This paper is about why males and females live for a different period of time. Have you noticed that uh, human females tend to outlive males? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know if this is happening in other species? No. no clue. It is. All mammals, the females live longer than males. Mm -hmm. And the paper I brought today is uh, about trying to understand why. But before I talk about the experiment they did, I'll talk about the ideas we have about why this would happen. The classic or perhaps oldest idea is an adaptive one, which is that it benefits males to live less and it benefits females to live more. This is usually termed the live fast, die young hypothesis <laughs> or live fast, die young strategy. For example, males might compete a lot and even when they're still young, the winner of such a competition will have a lot of reproductive outputs and the risk of uh, dying as a result of the competition might be worth the, the benefits. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, there might be a trade-off between somatic maintenance, between keeping your body healthy and reproduction. Mm -hmm. 
And this can be different in males and females. Mm -hmm. There are also maladaptive explanation, which is there is no good reason for, say, males to live less than females. And there are two such explanations. One is termed the mother's curse, and it has to do with the mitochondrial DNA. The mitochondria are the part of the genome that is only transmitted through the female line. So any genes with uh, male-specific effects cannot co-evolve with the mitochondria, while female effect genes can co-evolve because they're passed down from mothers to daughters. Mm -hmm. And that's the mother's curse. The males will always be less adapted to mitochondria than females. I'm sorry, so that makes them... So they, they won't accumulate like genes that help them survive longer because they're male? Yeah, like if there is an incompatibility between a mitochondrion and something to have to do with males, like if a mitochondrion makes you have less good horns, for example, even though this male will be selected against, there is no possibility for uh, evolution, for adaptation, because the association between the male properties of this male and the mitochondria are broken in all the offspring. I see. Thanks. Yeah. Right. So the final hypothesis, which is maladaptive, is called unguarded X. And it has to do with the fact that males have one X chromosome and females have two, which we've talked about already a bit in this podcast. Uh, the idea is that males only have one copy of the genes on the X chromosome. So if they get a bad copy, they will use it. They will express it. While females have two copies of the X chromosome. So they have a insurance, if you want, uh, like a backup gene that can work and that could cover any problematic genes. So do all uh, mammalian males have X and Y chromosome? Right. You're asking whether this data I said about mammals has to do with the fact that they have two copies of the X. Exactly. The way to ask this even better is to look at species where it is the females that have only one copy of the sex chromosome. That would be birds, butterflies, and various reptiles and amphibia. And in all those cases, this uh, theory holds. It, the sex that has only one copy of the sex chromosome, the heterogametic sex, has a shorter lifespan. Oh. Amazingly, this is even true if you phylogenetically correct. So if you take sister species, species that are very closely related to each other, and one has males being the heterogametic sex and the other the females, even in this pair of species, the sex, which is heterogametic, will have the shorter lifespan. Mm -hmm. That's uh, quite nice. That agrees with the hypothesis. You can also do an experiment to look within a species whether that's the reason that causes the difference in lifespan. And that's what this paper is about. So this paper was published in Evolution very recently. First author is Sultanova. And the title is The Unguarded X and the Genetic Architecture of Lifespan. Inbreeding results in a potentially maladaptive sex-specific reduction of female lifespan in Drosophila melanogaster. Okay. So the idea is, if the problem is that you have one copy, so you don't have a backup mm -hmm. of a second gene copy in case a gene has a problem, you can reduce this backup by inbreeding. Yeah. If you inbreed, you basically have one copy of the genome. If you inbreed a lot, it doesn't matter that you have two copies of the genome because they're going to be the same. Right. So the idea is that if you inbreed flies, you will expect the reduction in lifespan to be higher in the females 
because they get an extra cost of inbreeding compared to the males, for which the X chromosome is effectively already as inbred as it gets. And that's what they did. And it's a slightly involved experiment. They had three inbreeding treatments, like low, medium, and high. Mm -hmm. They had three social environments. They kept flies on their own, in isolation. They kept them in same-sex groups, and they kept them in mixed-sex groups and looked at the effects of inbreeding in all of them. The results are as you expect, which is that inbreeding reduced lifespan, but it reduced it much more in females, in agreement with the hypothesis. There is the complication that when the two sexes are put together, female lifespan is reduced a lot, which we already know. We know that mating is very costly to females in Drosophila, probably as a result of competition between males and females. But interestingly, the inbred flies did not reduce their lifespan in mixed-sex groups as much as the outbred, which the authors interpreted as if there is an advantage to being related, like related individuals don't compete so much. I'm sorry, parents. I don't know why Drosophila females do worse when they mate. Oh, mating is very costly for females because males will uh, harm females as long as this harm ensures that the particular male leaves more offspring. I see. So it's costly in that lots of females die in the mating process? Well, their lifespan is reduced. Like a virgin female might have double the lifespan than a mated female. And a multiply mated female will have an even smaller lifespan than a singly mated female. Okay. Mating is a very stressful experience to a female fly. Okay. All right. But there is something what I still don't get on the hypothesis. Um, if there is a backup copy of X that gives the advantage, um, isn't this bit contrary to the fact that the half of the X chromosomes are getting inactivated in adult females of mammals? Because you don't express uh, genes from both X chromosomes if you're a female. That's true. But this inactivation is mostly random in mammals, in that some cells will express one copy and some will express the other. So they average out the deleterious effect. Okay. There is evidence that a particularly bad X will tend not to be expressed in mammals. Mm -hmm. But overall, this inactivation is uh, random. In Drosophila, it's different. In Drosophila, the two X copies express equally and males express double the amount from their X Mm -hmm. so that they have the same amount as females, which would uh, enhance the deleterious effects. Okay, so uh, you would actually expect the effect to be stronger in Drosophila than in mammals. Yes. Okay. And also Drosophila melanogaster, where they did this experiment, the X is 20% of the genome. So a very large amount of the genome is single copy in males. So if I would summarize this, mm-hmm. I would say that inbreeding reduces female lifespan more than male lifespan. Welcome, welcome to the pet shop. Uh, how are you doing today, Mrs. Dorothy? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Bob. Nice, nice. So you came here for the order you had for this little female puppy? Yeah, my daughter wanted a female puppy. Yes. So I just got it for you. It's the best uh, the best brand that I could find. The best race. Excuse me, not a brand. And uh, it took me very long, long time to bring it here, you know. But it's here for you. Oh, so there were there was a litter of two puppies... 
And you've brought the... I brought you the female, the female. yes, yes. Okay, yes, that's yes, yes. great. So we've never had a dog before. So <clears throat> do we just put it outside with water mm-hmm. and... It'll take care of itself? Yes, uh, but uh, you have to be a bit uh, particularly uh, careful when you put uh, this particular dog outside, eh? because they are really eager to run and to live and have an adventurous life. So somehow you should uh, confine it. eh? We need to build a fence. I see. Mm, Yeah, maybe that would be a good idea. Not me, Mama. It's brown. I wanted to have a blonde dog. I want a dead puppy, dead puppy. Jessica, um, Bob, Mr. Bob, yes, kicked us okay. out this puppy. But I like better that one. Oh. oh, little Jessica, why do you like this uh, particular one? Because I like blonde dogs, because they're blonde like me. Mmm, I see. But you know, this one is a male one. And it doesn't live that long, so you might... You will go to the college. You will not have a dog anymore. (laughs) Mommy. Yes, sweetie? I don't know what to do. Well, it's your choice. We can have the female dog, which will live until you go to college. And we want you to go to college. Or you can have the male dog, which will probably die next year. What if, little Jessica, I propose that you get both dogs? Huh? Mommy, can I, can I, please, please? If you promise to walk it. All right, I will, I will, I promise. And by it, I mean both of them, not just one. Yeah, 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 all right, right, right. All right, Bob. Let me just get my assistant, you know. Jason! Uh, yes, boss? Um, could you please uh, arrange the adoption? Um... Certainly, I'll uh, pack them for you, one moment. <laughs> Sit down, dog. There you go. Uh, I've uh, put them together in the same box for easy transport. We cut uh, a week later back to the store. Mister, what happened? Both of these dogs have died. I'm sick of it. I I wanted to have a a pet, an animal, somebody to love. Did you take them out of the box, Jessica? Yes, and I walked on them, as my mother said. Uh, Hmm. Jason, little Jessica walked on them. I think uh, that's what I heard, too. (laughs) Uh, Did you leave uh, Jessica unguarded? She's six years old. She can take care of a a puppy. I I really don't see the problem. We had two bowls of food. We had two bowls of water. Jessica was just in charge of them. It's not me. It's it's, it's the puppies. Tell them. Tell them about the parrots. When we had the parrots, my male parrots survived long. It it did survive a really long time, but then she suffocated it when it was snuggling with her in bed. See, your dogs were wrong. What's wrong with your female dog? You promised me that it will survive till college. Uh, That's the specification they came with. They came with a manual that said that this puppy will live until Jessica goes to college? Yes, you see, because here, I'll show you the manual. Here it says, this particular breed will live at least 15 years. It's how it's genetically code there. Jason, you've got the certificate, right? Yes, uh, I see. This is a malfunction of the puppies. We'll have to call the breeder. Cut to the puppy mill where the puppies were bred. Yes, my young ones. Breed more. Breed. 
Master, master, here is her brother as you asked me for. What should I do with it? Wonderful, Igor. You should put them in isolation for the next 20 years. Isolation? But that sounds so lonely. Yes, that's the idea. And then they will be excellent breeders. 20 year old dogs. But first time see the opposite sex. It will be super expensive. Better than whiskey. I tell you, this is the best investment we have made so far. But these are brother and sister. Isn't it immoral? Yes. That is why they are the same color. (laughs) We cut back to the presents. So what was wrong with your dog? What was not wrong with the dog? I want a new one. <clears throat> Can you bring me here the, the bodies, actually? Because, yeah, give me, give them to me. Yeah, thank yeah, you. I know what's the problem. They were supposed to be the same color. And uh, according to the certificate, and they are not. That's why your female died. I feel very, very, very sorry for that. Let me call the breeder. Yes, uh, Dr. Dogginstein here. Hello, Dr. Dogginstein. It's uh, Mr. Bob here from the pet shop, you know. I am not doing very well. No, you had another malfunction. Yes, uh, I just got two puppies uh, that they were supposed to be the same color, and they are not, and they're both dead in a week's time. Uh, It's this equal animal rights group. They force us to breed dogs so that their same sexes are equal in lifespan, but it's equalizing to the bottom. I have been telling them that they are unethical, but no one listens to me because of my horrible name. (laughs) Well... If only I had the name passed from my mother. She was Miss Worthington. But no, my father insisted to use Dogenstein. Doctor, Doctor Dogenstein, I think that a little bit more consideration in what you're doing and what you're selling that would be good. I mean, I've seen your your place where you breed. Like, you don't need to be hypochondriac, but a bit of cleaning that would be good, eh? Well, I asked for an assistant, but they gave me Igor because they respect the rights of people with creepy names. So he's not very good at cleaning. We do everything by name and sex these days. We don't follow the traditions of workmanship anymore. So you need to wait for 20 years and I will have dogs that die at the same young age because we inbreed them so much. By the time a kid would go to college, I expect these dogs will be the only ones you can buy. Goodbye, sir. I need to inbreed more. I'm too busy. Um, mom. Yes, sweetie? I don't feel like I'm emotionally ready for another dog. Can we get get a parrot? Mr. Bob, do you have any parrots around? Uh... Uh, yes, we have. We have a parrot here. Uh, no one wants to buy it because it belonged to an old witch, but uh, we'll give it to you at a discount. That is so nice that you take initiatives, Jason. I might consider giving you a raise. Oh, finally. Someone with a normal name can get a raise. Thank you so much, boss. 
So you see, the problem with this parrot is it, it curses a bit because this witch uh, was paid by people to put curses on others and the parrot copied her. But here it is. So Jason, the, the, the curses are also expletives? What, what was that? <laughs> no, it's not an explosive parrot. It's just <laughs> cursing. Okay. Here, it's 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 a Betty the Parrot. Okay, well, Jessica hears enough of that at home. So it's no, 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 I want it. Okay, okay. It's in school. Okay. Said that cursing is cool. Ah, cursing. God damn it, Jessica. Bobby, Jessica. I love the parrot already. Let, okay, Jason, let's bring that parrot up. Jason, let's bring that parrot up. Let me just pack the parrot. <laughs> You're whacking the parrot. No, no, I, I'm packing it in uh, this box. One moment. Okay. Jessica, collect this parrot. Curses on you, squack! Here is the parrot. May the darkness cover you, squack! <laughs> Would you pay by cash or card? I'll pay by cash. Excellent. <laughs> the next paper is a paper... That talks about chemistry. It's called Synthesis of Ammonia Directly from Wet Air at Intermediate Temperature. It was published at the Applied Catalysis B Environmental on January 2014, and it's written by Lan et al. of the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow. First, I should give you some background. We're going to talk about ammonia. Why is ammonia important? Because nitrogen fertilizers are a big aid for crops. They have supported and they continue to support the growth of food for 27% of world's population over the last century. That would be around uh, 4 billion people that have been born since 1908. Even though that nitrogen composes more than 78% of our air, plants are not able to use it as ease. And that's where ammonia comes in. It's their source of nitrogen. The problem is that it's too hard to synthesize to help plants. At the beginning of the century, there was a breakthrough called the Haber-Bosch process. Those two people managed to produce ammonia at conditions of about 500 degrees Celsius at high pressure, between 150 and 300 bars, and they both won a Nobel Prize. Two different years. So that is two Nobel Prizes for producing ammonia. This process, though, it's super environmentally unfriendly. For the formation of ammonia, so far they use hydrogen that is reformed from natural gas or coal. Also, for every ton of ammonia that is produced, 1.87 tons of CO2 is released. The figures can be quite amazing. So, in 2010 they produced 131 million tons of ammonia, and for that, 245 million tons of CO2 was released. That was about 0.8% of world's total CO2 emissions. So, there's a big need to find new processes to synthesize ammonia, and that's where they come in. In this paper, they are the first to propose an electrochemical process that produces ammonia from wet air. How they define wet air is 3 moles percentage of water and 97 mole percentage of air, like the air we have around in the atmosphere. At conditions of 400 degrees Celsius and atmospheric pressure, they managed to produce ammonia. This is a huge change because you don't need to have super high pressures, which is challenging to have. And working at all lower temperatures, you could benefit multiple ways. One of them being, well, you don't need to generate that much heat, you go a bit lower. 
and also ammonia doesn't decompose thermally. I'll try to be a bit uh, not too specific on how they did it. They tried to synthesize an anode and a cathode, so to have the electrochemical thing, an electrolyte, and then they put them in what they call a single chamber reactor. It looks super nice. It's like a very slick design, like a big LED light. The elements they used to synthesize the cathode, the anode, and the electrolyte was some are very fancy. Praseodymium, barium, iron, copper, oxygen, cerium, gadolinium, lithium, sodium, potassium, and carbon. A lot of things. When they created it, they made it into a powder, and then they make a very, very small pellet of 13 millimeters thick. When they put it in the LED, then they will put the air through it. The air will come in contact. They will have the current, and that will eventually create ammonia. I'm not going to go into very much details. The material they used for the anode and the cathodes had a very good conductivity. The amount was 5.25 Siemens per centimeter. To put that in perspective, the drinking water has 0.00005 to 0.0005, and seawater has 0.05 Siemens per centimeter. When a light limb falls and you get struck in the sea, that's the conductivity of the sea. And the cathode they made has 100 times more at least. Mm. So it's a very, very good material to have electricity passing through. They did some tests to find the best conditions to have it. They found that under 400 degrees and uh, ambient air, you could have ammonia formation two orders of magnitude higher than previously reported values. Sorry, is this compared to the old technique that got the Nobel Prize? No, compared to techniques that came after that technique. Okay. So way more modern techniques. To confirm, they also used pure nitrogen to see how it works, and they still got the same results. This is super exciting because the catalyst that they use is way much cheaper than others used before. And at lower temperatures, as we said, you would not have thermal decomposition when you produce ammonia. And the raw materials that you use is water and ambient air. The byproducts are water and hydrogen and a bit of oxygen. And you also don't need to use extreme pressure. Well, but if there is 400 degrees, there got to be CO2 emissions too. There is just no way how to create a high temperature without this. Well, they had a thermocouple in there. So basically they had a, a metallic rod that was heating mm -hmm. up the whole reactor. Unless the catalyst itself decomposes and then produces CO2, uh, they wouldn't have any other well, way. Well, the CO2 wouldn't come from the reaction itself. But if you need to heat the reaction, it means that you need to either burn a gas, you need to use energy, like electricity, and this also has CO2 trace, right? And 400 degrees is quite a lot, so I don't think it's negligible. No, no, it's not negligible, but then it's a different level, I think, on how you make sure where your energy that you use comes from. If it comes from renewable energy or whatever, nuclear or whatever, blah, 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 yeah. then you can say that the whole production is environmentally friendlier. So in this previous Nobel Prize way, in this 500 degrees uh, reaction, is it counted as the CO2 production primarily from the reaction or from the heating it as well? That is something that they don't really mention. When it was published? 2014. So is it already done somewhere? I don't know, actually. That's a very good question. The difference to the old method is the use of a catalyst? 
They were using a catalyst in the old method. The use well. of a better catalyst. The use of a way better catalyst, and it's electrically stimulated, and the whole thing is electrochemically. So an electrically stimulated catalyst allows a much more efficient production of ammonia. Yeah. So if I could summarize it into one sentence, that would be ammonia can be produced more successfully at lower temperatures and pressure conditions with less impact to the environment. Hi, we're here. We saw the flyer that um, you were interviewing people about coffee intake, and we drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, I, I, you said that there would be free coffee, so we came. But are you passionate enough about coffee to make your own? I'm desperate enough to make my own. That is the spirit. And do you say, sir, that you have never made coffee before? No, that's I... exactly the attitude we need. We need new ideas in this group to make coffee in a completely new way. Yes, good, 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 good. So, why don't you have a bit of this coffee that we already use and tell us what you think about? Ah, feel alive again. Um, Bobby, did you put on antiperspirant this morning? You're sweating a lot. Sandra, can I get five minutes without your judgment? I don't care. I have my coffee. And you produced this coffee? No. I just told him that I never produced coffee. And you know, we're, we're supposed to be constructive. Figure out a new way how to make a coffee. Guys, it's so hot in here. I'm just sweating bullets. It's so hot. Bullets! What a genius idea! We will grind coffee by shooting at it. This will make it more energetic. Here you go, madam. We have a choice of three guns. An AK-336, a semi-automatic rifle 653, and some barium-propelled cannon. I'll definitely use the barium-propelled cannon. I think we're getting somewhere, Master Chef. Bobby, let's put this in place, and let's just aim this away from from these interviewers. I'm pacifist. I'm not going to touch that gun. Is that why you're not wearing antiperspirant? Yeah, and that's why I'm going to take off my shoes. Because it's so hot here, and you were right. It's very hot and humid. Okay, so I just put this down, and you just want me to aim it. I'll just aim it in the general direction of the... Hmm. Let's see what we can do with this. Madame... You need to practice your aim a bit more. You've managed to hit the LED lights in the room. Let me let me bring a candle. One moment. Oh, very atmospheric. Have you thought of coffee being so atmospheric before? No. I think it's because my shoes. They smell like Christmas. Thompson, I see this couple is gonna. You know, there is a lot of tension. Like the electricity is like. You know, it's creating like a. Shoot something else. I really, really, I am liking this. I'm really liking shooting things. Sandra, you're freaking me out. Yeah, no. Can I try the other gun? Thompson, can I, can Thompson. I try the other one? I've never yes, shot lady. anything yes, in my lady. life you, before, you. but I think this is. It's really helping me, like, um, t- dispel some of my nervous energy tension. Yes, give me, give me one second. I'll be back to is you. It, Thompson, can we put them in a chamber alone? And see what we get out of them. I think there is a like, material here. Sure, uh, Oliver. There is the single chamber next door. Mm-hmm. Let's use that. Bob, could you please uh, go you two in this chamber there that it says 
single chamber and then have a talk and tell us what you come up with afterwards. Yeah, We're yeah, going to be monitoring yeah. you and uh, we're going to be able to interact through the intercom. Uh, but um, Totally, but no guns. No, no, yes, totally, but yes, guns. Why don't you take that in the chamber and then we talk about it and then we see how that works. We can give you stuff. Alright. Yes, right this way, please. Do you feel the energy, Oliver? My god, they're gonna explode. This is a explosive couple. I think we're gonna have a very good uh, productive uh, meeting in there or something. And why don't we put them a bit, like, you know, the air conditioning a bit on so they feel a bit uh, cold and they come closer and whatever, I don't know. Yes, yes, absolutely. Good, 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 good. I'll go to the control room right now. Sandra. Bobby, I didn't have any coffee. Do you have any extra coffee? No, but I still have here my shoes. Your shoes? No, 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 I don't want your shoes. But the thing is, I kind of feel here isolated. What's your reaction? I really like it. I think it's really good. I think it's good for us to have a chat. Yeah. You know, I was a bit skeptical with the guns first, but I got to say, you're kind of hot. But not too much, just appropriately. You're really into the guns, or you're really into me using the guns? Or maybe just seeing you with the guns. Okay, so maybe we'll ask them to bring in some more guns. Yeah, no, well, no, you know, let's stick with the guns you already Now have. that you're really into this idea, I'm feeling not so hot about this idea. Well, what's the problem now? Oh my god, you're just obsessed with disagreeing, right? When I brought a shoe coffee, you say no, and you say no, I need to shoot at beans. And then I say, okay, so let's shoot at beans, they say... Nah, let's find something else. So what do you want? What do you want? Bobby, I think that our relationship works so much better when, you know, opposites attract. And so if you're high and I'm low, then it works. And if you're low and I'm high, then it also works. Wow, look at there. There is coffee appearing on the ground. Um, yes, it's ground coffee just bubbling up through the floor. How gross and weird. How does this have happened? I don't know. Uh, it stopped. Yeah. How Did you make it stop? No, it, I thought that you did. No, well, oh, there it goes again. Well, we cut to the monitor room. Man, did you see that? It's working. The energies of this couple are concentrated on the middle of the room, causing a coffee reaction. <laughs> Hmm, we need to stimulate a bit more. Let's send them a sparkle or something. Yeah, I'll uh, introduce the lightning. Sandra, what have you done this time? Bobby, I've been electrocuted! Oh, I was wondering what's up with your haircut. (laughs) But there's (laughs) so much coffee everywhere! Hey, you wanted coffee, so why are you complaining now? Stop moaning! Because this isn't... It's not brewed! Here, call, call those guys. Leave call, fast, call those, die young. Call, Let's go. Call those interview guys and tell them to send in, like, a coffee pot so that we can brew some coffee. Well, we kind of did bring the coffee, but we just don't know how to drink it. Hey, mister! Open the door! We want out of this single chamber! Hello, Bob. Do you have a mug? What a ride that was. Thank you, guys. I hope we had transmitted to you some of our inspiration and intrigued your scientific mind. I would like to remind you that we have chapter markers in all of our episodes. 
reference links to the richer tool used. And from now on, a comment section under each episode in our website, www.thecatalyst.ch. There, you can also check our other projects of The Catalyst. We would also like to thank Primitivo for our theme song. And thank you very much for listening to us and see you next episode of Science Beer Review. Woo! Woo!